through the hallways of academia and on the face of the moon the footprints of conquest haven't left us any room to say Greetings, and welcome to the 46th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Friday, February 7th, 2020. I'm Thistle Patterson, and it's a pleasure to be presenting this podcast to you focused on my recent trip to Seattle to cover the panel discussion called Fighting the New Misogyny, a Feminist Critique of Gender Identity, organized by Wolf at the Seattle Public Library. I also got the chance to cover all the fun, amazing things happening for two days around that panel discussion informally as women gathered. I'd like to give a special WLRN shout out to April Morrow for feeding us and creating the most beautiful cheese and fruit platters, in addition to arranging for over 30 people to dine on locally harvested crab by a friend of yours. That was really special. Thank you for contributing to the Movement's Kitchen. Thank you, April. In today's program, we'll hear a sound collage of statements I got from women who attended the talk at the library, in addition to excerpts from the speakers themselves at the event. You'll also hear the chants and cries of trans activists and panel goers alike, inside and outside the library. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's Donna Vitalasova with WLRN's World News segment for this Friday, February 7th, 2020. Approximately 350 people, mostly women, gathered in the Microsoft Auditorium at the Seattle Public Library on Saturday, February 1st, to attend the panel on women's rights. The event, titled Fighting the New Misogyny, featured speakers Lier Keith, Kara Dansky, Saba Malik, and Megan Murphy. Between 75 and 150 people showed up to protest the event, some dressed in black with masks on. The Seattle Public Library, together with the Seattle PD, were able to create barricades between the two groups and keep the attendees of the women's rights discussion safe from potential violence from protesters. One woman, however, 60-year-old Laura Love, who attended the talk, reported on social media that a male protester kicked her in the knee. It was also reported that at least one woman was surrounded and rushed by protesters as she was leading the event. The speeches made by Megan Murphy, Saba Malik, Lier Keith, and Kara Dansky not only emphasized the different lives of these four women, but also presented their expertise on and analysis of gender identity politics and why it is harmful to women's sex-based protections and rights. 
major media outlets didn't seem to be present at the event, but many attendees had their cell phones out, capturing video and audio. The organizers of the event live-streamed coverage to the World Facebook page, where it has over 13,000 views as of Wednesday this week. Vajrama, a longtime feminist activist and panel discussion attendee, told WLRN that the event in Seattle was a game-changer for public libraries across the country. Quote, Now, it is known that we can hold this kind of talk and not have the TRS take it over and cause disruption and violence. Other chief librarians are watching. Seattle has set a precedent in our favor. End quote. This January, a U.S. judge awarded 22 young women who had been tricked into appearing in widely distributed online porn videos $12.8 million in damages for the emotional trauma and reputational harm they experienced. The complainants were women aged 18 to 23 who were duped by three men running a website called Girls Do Porn. These men told the young women their pornographic footage was only meant for a private collector or for release on overseas DVDs. Instead, as BBC has reported, the videos were uploaded to Girls to Porn's subscription-based amateur porn website, and clips were shared on some of the world's most popular free-to-view adult websites. Also, despite their promise to never reveal the women's identities, the accused had shared private information about the models on internet forums. Thanks to the judgment by a San Diego court, each young woman will receive from $300,000 to $550,000. The defendants also faced criminal charges filed in federal court and were ordered to pull videos featuring the complainants from old websites. In the UK, two unknown men attacked a 20-year-old lesbian as she walked along the street in Sunderland at night. The victim, Charlie Graham, told Sky News. Got attacked from behind, got punched in the head, pushed to the floor, and then when I tried to get up, they pushed to the floor again, grazed my knees, my face, and cut my face open. Charlie Graham also told the reporters that she had already suffered five attacks for being a lesbian. Now, she says she's traumatized and scared to leave her house or go anywhere alone. As she stated in her interviews, she believes she shouldn't be afraid to be who she is, that is, a gender non-conforming woman. That's why she's decided to show the world pictures of her bloodied face right after the last attack. She wishes to make the world aware of what gay people still face in Britain in 2020. An investigation has been launched into the incident and police officers are currently treating the assault as a suspected hate crime. The Guardian has reported on a study looking into the practice of adult men in Uganda suckling on their breastfeeding wives. According to the study, Ugandan men often drink their wives' milk before the child is fed. They say it helps them relieve stress, is energizing, they feel looked after like a child, and some of them consider it part of sexual foreplay. However, women seem to be mostly coerced into accepting this practice. One of the male respondents in the study claims that if the woman resisted, he could get violent. I quote, She can't say no because you become obsessed. It's hard to stop. If women say no, it can cause violence. It's a big issue. End of quote. Not only are most women presumably coerced, by suckling on their breasts, the men deprive their newborn infants of nourishment and make the children vulnerable to various diseases. As a local public health specialist, Josephine Ziva stated for a Ugandan news outlet, quote, In most cases, men suck the breasts without brushing their teeth and cleaning their mouths properly. As a result, they leave some bacteria, which are in turn sucked by the babies, who end up catching different diseases, especially diarrhea, end quote. 
Beside Uganda, breast suckling by adult men seems to be common practice in Tanzania, Kenya and Nigeria. In Canada, 22-year-old Marilyn Levesque was murdered by a man on day parole from prison. In 2006, the suspect was convicted of the brutal murder of his then-girlfriend, Chantal Deschenes, and sentenced to life in prison, the first 15 years of which he would not be eligible for parole. However, in 2006, five years earlier than the original sentence dictated, the murderer, Eustachio Galiz, was allowed supervised outings. Last March, he was released to a halfway house, but at his September parole hearing, he was still denied full parole, with the board commenting, quote, During the hearing, your parole officer underlined a strategy that was developed with the goal that would allow you to meet women in order to address your sexual need. The hearing allowed us to realize you managed relations with women that the board considers inappropriate, end quote. At that hearing, the board concluded Galicia's behavior, quote, paradoxically constitutes a worrying and significant risk factor, end quote. According to CTV News, it was Galicia's caseworker who allowed him to frequent prostituted women. Levesque was one of these women. Canadian parole board members stated for the Montreal Gazette, quote, if you don't have experienced board members and just new people, some mistakes can happen, some issues can happen, end quote. According to our sources, the changes to law that allegedly brought in inexperienced parole officers happened in 2017. The Canadian Public Safety Minister, Bill Blair, ordered an investigation by Corrections Canada and the Parole Board to determine the circumstances of Galicia's release and provide recommendations for change. South Korean women are urgently calling for international investigation into a case of mass online sexual exploitation of women and girls, called the N-Room. It is assumed that, within the N-Room case, two young women and girls become online sexual slaves every day. The exploiters enslave them by tricking them into sending their nude pictures or videos, as well as identifying information. Then they threaten the women they will publish the material or send it to their friends and family. The women and girls are then promised freedom if they produce more sexual pictures and videos, some of them of a very violent nature. The exploiters then post these to secret groups within the secure messaging app called Telegram that's used for online chatting and calls. According to the South Korean women who are trying to raise awareness of this issue, since at least the beginning of 2019, various men created multiple such rooms or groups. Some of these are free to enter, some charge a fee. According to our sources, the enslaved women and girls are already forced to do acts such as carve their pimp's name into their skin, cut off a nipple, eat feces, or masturbate with scissors. When the victims refuse to cooperate, the pimps allegedly publish their identifying information, inciting N-Room members to rape them. It is supposed that these telegram groups are frequented by 10,000s of South Korean men who exchange links to those groups with each other or share them in men's online forums. The South Korean mass media have generally been silent about the case, with only a few mentions in articles. Despite the petition signed by 200,000 people, it calls for urgent investigation. You can also sign an international version of this petition at change.org. We will include the link in the podcast description. On January 25th, Maya Forstater announced on her crowdfunding page that her legal team filed notice of appeal to the Employment Tribunal. Thus, she's challenging the December 2019 decision of Judge Taylor, who ruled that Forstater's job loss wasn't due to discrimination. Maya Forstater lost her job at the think tank in 2019 
after her superiors accused her of making transphobic statements on social media. As Maya Forsetter says on CrowdJustice.com, quote, I was utterly disappointed but not defeated when the tribunal ruled that my belief that sex is an immutable material reality is not protected against discrimination. The tribunal also ruled that my lack of belief that everyone has an inner gender identity which trumps sex is not protected, end quote. With this appeal, a second judge will read what the legal team has submitted and consider whether their grounds for appeal should go ahead to an appeal hearing. That concludes WLRN's World News segment for Thursday, February 6th, 2020. I'm Dana Vitalo Share your news stories and tips with us by mailing wlrnewscontact at gmail.com and letting us know what's going on.
That was Zombie by the Cranberries. Next up, we'll hear statements Thistle got from women staying near the Seattle Library before and after the big speaking event called Fighting the New Misogyny. The song you'll hear in the background throughout the collage is called Trans by Thistle and was played at the show Thistle did over the weekend, though this recording is not of that live performance. The song at the very end of the collage is by Thistle as well and is called Song to the Sky. The Fighting the New Misogyny event was organized by Wolf and featured speakers Megan Murphy, Lierre Keith, Kara Dansky, and Saba Malik. The words and voices of these four brave women were incredible to hear at a public event. A big shout out to our Wolf sisters for pulling it off. WLRN is proud to bring you the words and voices of the women traveling distances and from the Pacific Northwest region to come hear their sisters speak on the panel joining their voices in the chorus of women beginning to come out publicly against trans madness. Enjoy the collage. Big thanks to all the women who prepared statements and participated. The collage starts with about 15 women gathered for breakfast, the morning of the event, and then moves to other statements women gave Thistle throughout the weekend. is a liberal construct invented by white straight men. My name is Keely Emrain Mix and I live in Moscow, Idaho. And I'm here as a show of solidarity to all my radical feminist sisters, but also to all women because our liberation is put at danger by gender identity. Laws that enshrine gender identity are laws that enshrine male power over women. You can't liberate that which you can't define. If there is no solid definition of women, and we of course argue that there is and has been since time began, then anybody can be a woman and we're seeing that now and so when our male oppressors pretend that they can be us they change our narrative they change our history they change our stories stories and narrative and history that they could never have participated in and they put us at real and current danger wherever it's possible for me to travel and speak and demonstrate against gender identity laws i'll be there and i'm so grateful to my sisters who have organized this awesome all right thank you their violent power and then they win. I think I have three sisters here. And um, I'll just ask each of you where you're from and to state your name. And then why did you come to Fighting the New Misogyny? Um, hi, I'm from Eugene. My name is Stacy. Um, I came here to meet all of the other sisters that are involved in this um, and also to show support for something I think is very important. Awesome. How about you? Hi, my name is Melissa Gregg from the Kansas City and Oklahoma City area. I came here, one, for solidarity, sisterhood, and comradeship, and to organize, and two, to get involved legally and by writing and organizing with other women who want to preserve the definition of womanhood and preserve all the legal medical prison, criminal, and rights that are inherent to being a woman, and to stop the 
gender conversion therapy of children and teens, which I've seen personally, and it's horrifying. Thank you so much. Violent power begins with man over woman, and then it all spins off from there into this postmodern racist sexist nightmare. Yeah, you got your goddess charm on. It's beautiful. Look at that. A sister gave that to you right when you arrived, right? A sister that you had never met. (laughs) Just this morning. I flew here from the mountains of North Carolina because I feel like women cannot afford to just be social media warriors. We have to be strong. We have to be brave. We have to be able to put our face out in public and say, I believe that women have basic human rights and that men are not women. Men can never be women. And so sex-based rights are vital to our survival. Mm -hmm. And if we stop acknowledging sex, then we will lose the ability to identify the oppression that is killing us. Yeah, well said. I have a five-year-old granddaughter. I don't want men in her shower. Mm-hmm. I don't want men in her bathrooms. When she graduates yeah. high school, I would like for my granddaughter to have a scholarship that men have not stolen. Right. So I am here to put a face, to put my face out in public and say I am not afraid Mm -hmm. to tell the truth. It is not hate to stand up for our rights. Right. The only hate that I have seen are the threats against women trying to stand up for our rights. Agreed. I totally hear that. So amen, sister. A woman. Um, And your name and where you're from again? Oh, my name is Skylar Gwynn, and I live in Hayesville, North Carolina. Right on. Thank you, sister. Thank you for being here. What would be the opposite if trans was real? There's another sister here who is going to tell our WLRN listeners why she came to fighting the new misogyny and if you're willing to state your name and where you're from. My name is Jennifer Murnan and I came from the occupied lands of the Cheyenne and Arapaho and Ute people on the front range of the Continental Divide. And I'm here because... Solidarity and the struggle against uh, patriarchy is an important front in the solidarity with all peoples and all struggles against all forms of oppression. This is one of many, many battles that we will have to engage in in order to succeed in dismantling patriarchy, and that's why I'm here, and I'm very joyous to be in this company of phenomenal women and men, men who are allies in this struggle. No matter how afraid you are, you do what you have to do anyway. Mm-hmm. That is the definition of true courage. Women have to be more courageous. Yeah, um, that's a whole topic, though, because a lot of women feel that they'll lose their job or they'll be, you know, persecuted, discriminated against, and hated in their communities if they do come forward. So, you know. I would like to mention the fact that TRAs use the tactics of domestic violence 
sexual violence, control, and power. There is actually a power wheel. Mm -hmm. Every single tactic on that wheel is used by TRS, including taking women's jobs. Right, right. Domestic terrorism, basically, is, you know, and they, they, I'm sure now that I've said on WLRN that they're performing domestic terrorism, that they'll accuse us of performing domestic terrorism, because that's what they do. They, 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 they take what they're doing and they accuse us of doing it. That's the Darvo. But here's yeah. the interesting thing. Uh-huh. Anybody with any thinking, reasoning capabilities can look at this example of Seattle alone. Mm-hmm. All we these women, women here. coming here to simply go to a library, mm-hmm. have some breakfast, and meet and discuss our rights. Yeah. In response to that, TRAs have had a bomb threat for the right. Seattle Library, right. and they were on their page asking them to lock us in the Seattle Library and set it on fire. Right. If you, sir, it's not hard to see their violent imagery in their signs and stuff. I really hope, by the way, if journalists are listening to this, that I hope you're out there today documenting the signs and all of their expressions of hate that they're putting out there today. Because I'm going to be here with my feminist sisters documenting that, but against the women on the other side, juxtapose their behavior with with our behavior, behavior. and then you will see where the hate lies. Right. There is no hate here. Only those seduced by power accept the whole world is a personal deal. Hi, my name is Lise. I'm from Portland, Oregon. And I came here because it's close by and it's hard for women to travel long distances and it was really close by and I could take the train up here. And I'm here because I'm concerned about all the laws that are being passed that are just anti-women, anti... The sex-based laws are being changed to gender identity and conflating gender identity with sex. And it's outrageous and I'm concerned that we're going to lose, women are going to lose their rights in the law. There are other reasons too. I'm concerned about young girls thinking they need to transition. I've seen it among my daughter's friends, her young girlfriends who think they're boys. What about the protest, you know, the so-called protesters? Because, you know, there are quite a few radical feminist events to choose from, but not all of them are public, like this one, and getting all this, you know, the Seattle Times covered it, Uh, it's been a big deal, and there are all these people that are kind of threatening and intimidating coming to the library to protest us. Why did you want to be a part of that? I mean, I'm, I, I'm not afraid of protesters. I've protested against Trump and other protests. I've been to protests, and I don't, I'm not afraid of them. We have a right to speak. We have a right to discuss these issues in a, a public place. As women. As women. Mm-hmm. Women have a right to meet among other women and mm-hmm. not get silenced. And I'm also tired of the silencing. Would of you characterize your politics left, center, or right? Le- very left wing. You're a leftist. Oh, very You left-wing. have been your whole, yeah. Do you ever get called right wing? 
no. because you're a turf. <laughs> well, yeah, my my yes, I've been called a turf on online and stuff, and it's just you know that doesn't it bothers me because I consider it a slur. And and, and and not only a slur, it's an incitement to violence. Yes, it is. It, it is. And so. It's quite the term. Well, I want progressive media to cover us. Fairly, I know. And they're not doing it. I know. Say. I'm telling the audience who thinks I'm right-wing, I'm not right-wing. And you never have been. Never. Right. And me neither. No. I'm and pro-choice. I, you know. I yeah, you're pro-lesbian. Yes. Pro-lesbian. Yes. Of course. Um, I know. It should be, of course, but it, it really hasn't been um, in our recent feminist history and um, I think we need to understand that that comes from the TRAs that is not something that we need to repeat or think think is happening with our sisters um, w- women are caught between a rock and a hard place in men's politics and men's political world which is by default the public political world is a male world and so that we can't pretend that that's not influencing how everything is just everything we found each other online and now we're trying to get together in person and it's wonderful it's so energizing it's so rejuvenating to be with other women in person and that's what I would recommend to all women who ever find that they're feeling lost in can I change the subject for a moment are you willing to state your last name too or no okay and then can I ask uh, why that is are you worried that you'll lose your job or you could lose your job these days women are being fired for just stating an opinion and it's just ridiculous and until we get to a point where we're not being fired for having an opinion about women so then I can't ask you what your job is because I think it depends on on what your job is like I don't think I'm at risk of being fired from my job at this point and I'm very out you know and so it depends on what your job is I think right I'm I'm at a it's just a part-time job but it's still you know I might need another job in the future right I see and and so it's just one you know just being careful of course and you know but I'm here and you are and I want to fight this I'm right on so, and there are all different roles to play and And I'm so passionate about it. It gets me, my blood boiling when I see that women are being fired, women are being silenced from their jobs as Threatened with violence. Threatened with violence. Progressives should be standing up for yes. women like Megan Murphy, a progressive, and say, this is wrong. Stop threatening women with violence. And if you are a progressive out there and you're not out there saying, stop threatening women. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, I was uh, I was not concerned about uh, gender ideology until I started seeing all these things going on in the law. I, I was a good bleeding heart liberal for years and I didn't know this was a problem. I didn't read, you know, LGBTQ literature. I wasn't following those groups and I didn't know what was going on in the law. And of course I'm pro, uh, you know, gay and lesbian marriage and whatever, you know, I'm pro that. But I'm not for this changing the law against women. That I'm not for. Right on, Lise. Thank you so much for talking with me and all of our WLRN listeners. Who make it 
their standard, only personal worth their proof to be the center of everything. While the earth chokes and dies of their spoof, their spoof. So can you state your name and why you came to fighting the new misogyny? Hi, my name is Marcia Matthews, and I'm from Boston. I'm a big fan of Thistle, and I always listen to Women's Liberation Radio no, News. I came here to Fighting the New Misogyny to see Karadansky, Seba Malik, and Megan Murphy, because in the four years I've been researching this topic, I've observed how Megan Murphy has been the most courageous journalist, telling the truth and facing intimidation and threats. When she was suspended from Twitter, it was an outrageous injustice, because other people <clears throat> have said things like, Jonathan Yaniv is a man, a male, a dude, a bloke. He has a Y. He is a guy. Dude has a dick and is a dick. Jonathan Yaniv is a man and a massive tool. Free Megan, quote unquote. And Abby Carter wasn't suspended. I tweeted, the word woman is reserved for born female, grew up as girls, paid her dues to be a woman. Nobody else need apply. I wasn't suspended. What I hope to take back to my community is first-hand experience. The only way to convince the populace is by education, and I will continue to work on my book, Quandary, The Plight of Women Under Queer Theory. It's an interactive electronic book with topics like Biology 101, The Transing of Children, Violence by Trans Activists, Compelled Language, No Platforming, Elimination of Women's Separate Spaces, political power, who finances transgenderism, and who profits, LGB versus the alphabet, the falsifying of records and crime statistics, and men and women's sports. On the positive side are existential womanhood, women and the earth, and humor. Nothing brings out the comedian like a system of repression that makes no sense. The tide is turning and we see signs of hope that people have had enough of the Rainbow Reich. Thank you so much, Marsha. All right, I'll see you at the Battle of Seattle, part two, when the women take over. The joke's on you. There are better things to do. And in the meantime, we are igniting. Yes, in the meantime, we are My name is Holly Hart. I'm from Portland, Oregon. I came here for two reasons, one of which was to be with other radical feminist activists so that we can talk about what we're doing in different parts of the country in order to protect the rights of women. And the other reason I'm here is because there are very few social spaces where we can say things and just speak honestly, talk about facts like human sex is binary without being attacked by other people, um, including very well-meaning people who only see the issues here through the lens of we have to be nice to people and they don't understand how it is not nice to enable males to use gender identity to gain access to females, private right, spaces. Right, and to incite violence against women, too. Absolutely. I mean, the term TERF 
for example, is not just a slur, it incites violence against women. And so to call us TERFs and to call this conference that we're at or the panel discussion TERF Wars is dangerous. They are putting our lives in danger, quite literally. And so thank you for being here, Holly. And thank you for speaking with WLRN. Thank you. The distance between us seems greater than the sum of the parts. My heart is beating while the ozone is depleting its way too hard to be hopeful for the future for humanity my greatest hope is that me and my friends go out gracefully in this postmodern racist sexist nightmare this postmodern racist sexist My name is Julia Beck. I'm here from Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm still working on the East Coast time zone right now. <laughs> I'm here to attend the Fighting the New Misogyny panel because I think it's a very important event. I want to show my support for women and women's spaces because without women's spaces, I don't know where I would be. And I think women's sex-based rights, our right to organize on the basis of our shared female sex to talk about our shared female experiences, however varied they may be. This is the foundation of the feminist movement and I want to see the continuation of this movement. I want to see this movement grow and build and I want to see women walk with their shoulders back and their chins up without fear. That's why I'm here. Cool. And being in Seattle, I just have to say, skateboarding is not a crime, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it shouldn't be a crime for women to gather in public and without fear of harassment and, and, and violence, you know? So I, I every woman here, and there's so many women at this location that we won't disclose right now, um, or we can because it's going to be after the event that this broadcast, but my point is, is that there's tons of women here even though our movement largely is underground in a lot of ways. So it's kind of amazing that way. And over here, I've got another uh, participant. Why are, can you state your name, where you're from, and why you came to the Fighting the New Misogyny event? Yes, my name is Hannah Marie. I'm from Texas, and I came to the Fighting the New Misogyny event because I wanted to show solidarity with the radical feminist movement to push back on the idea that gender is somehow innate in us, whereas it is really just female socialization appropriated by males to enact a fantasy that is what they perceive to be womanhood. But, you know, for women who are born and raised as such, we know that they're perpetuating harmful, offensive stereotypes. So I'm here today to let them know that I'm not okay with it and I won't be silenced, I'm not afraid of them, and that I invite any other women who agree to be brave and come forward and say, no, we don't agree. Mm-hmm. Right on. 
ovaries power, getting your ovaries, you know, and just oh, yeah. being courageous and doing it. Because there is a sense in the air of, of real, you know, like of a little bit of an iffy space and like, you know, it's courage to get mm. up there in public. Megan got a death threat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For this specific event. And here I took a picture of you with a flying clitoris yesterday at the art event oh, that um, was so cute. with Dominic Christina. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like there's a lot of art and culture. It's the second battle of Seattle where the women take the town, you know what I mean? Mm. And it's just such an honor to be here with I think what I consider the most warrior sisters in the, in, the, in the world. I mean, in the country, mostly, obviously. it's Most people are from the U.S. It's really cool to see that there's a lot of women from the West Coast and from here regionally. Yeah. Um, I think it's about half and half. Would that be fair to say here? It's in, a mix. It's a mix. Yeah. And there I, are a lot of Seattleites, though. There are a lot of Seattleites, a lot of women from Oregon and uh, yeah. some from California. But I do want to agree with you that it's so nice to see so many women who have been so outspoken and doing so many things. And, you know, some of these women I've only seen online. I only know their name. And now I'm meeting them in person. And it's like meeting my Shiro's, you know? And then they tell me that I'm their Shiro. And it's like, wow, we're like fangirling over <laughs> exactly. each other. It's really cute. But it's so great to be in good company and I only wish this to be shared with women who aren't really speaking out so much or who aren't so public um, just to meet in person really mm -hmm. even locally or mm -hmm. you know in the tri-state area wherever that may be just to meet up and share ideas and perhaps find out that your experiences are very similar actually. Mm -hmm. What about doing other library events like the one here in Seattle? Do you think women should be organizing those? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Hmm. Although the one in New York was they were trying to do it at a, a, a library but then it was canceled mm -hmm. so that they had the then they had the headline like yes, canceled, canceled women, women panel, canceled. canceled. Yeah. yeah, that was ridiculous. I don't even think it was actually booked. They didn't. They weren't even able to actually book it. Yeah. Well, there had. It. My understanding is that there had been an agreement that it was being booked, mm -hmm. um, but then they came back and said, "No, we're not going to book you." They yes. sent the application so. in, but it was denied, and they didn't accept the deposit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. They put. They, they oh, had the money okay. To do it. Well, then, then the dates. Maybe. I mean, whatever. I have no idea what the what the New York Public Library is saying about it. Do you know what the New York Public Library is saying? Or have they made a statement? I think they just you know? caved to they pressure. Caved. Yeah. I know, but did they make a statement? No. I'm not even aware of a statement. I'm not they aware of a statement know. either. So apparently we're not but even worth the statement as to why <laughs> they won't let us, which yeah. is offensive in and of yeah. itself. And that, that, I don't know, how much media is covering this event? You know, we'll see, like... It there seems like it's all indie media, which is so appropriate for Seattle. Well, you there's going to be some I major think there media. There will be some major media, like what, like Seattle Times, Washington Post, Washington Post? maybe. All right, well, let's see. Thank you so much, ladies, for coming on WLR. When I walk by You don't want to see me You don't question why You just turn off your light When I walk by I walk by I turn off my phone 
when I'm alone and sing sweet songs up to the sky. I don't stay too long or I'd question why, but I I turn off my phone and I sing to the sky, to the sky. Here now, we present an abridged version of the evening's panel. The event can be heard in its entirety in quality audio and video through Wolf's Facebook page, and we highly recommend listening to the entire panel. I tried to include speaker highlights, but everything these women say is relevant and important. Everything. Really. A quick note, there are male voices in the following segment. Before we go into the venue, I want to mention that there was quite a bit of protests for this event. 
you'll hear some of the speakers mention that a police escort was required to enter the building on account of dozens of protesters surrounding the main entrance. Inside, the event begins on schedule. A Seattle Public Library representative welcomes everyone and explains that interruptions won't be tolerated. Lear Keith begins speaking. You all rock. Okay. <laughs> so t- we just have a few thank yous first. Um, number one, of course, is the Seattle Public Library. And in particular, yeah, no, really. Oh, for fuck's sake. Everybody just stay down. Calm, it's all fine, just stay calm. They're gonna handle it. This goes on for about 30 seconds before women lose their patience, and the library representative again addresses the audience. Everyone, like I stated before, Disruptive behavior is not allowed. Okay. Hey. After which the protesters continue to be disruptive for two and a half more minutes. Eventually, the women's voices rise and overwhelm the gender identity protesters. Once more, the library representative attempts to regain the room and is again met with disruption. Okay, everyone. Everyone in the auditorium has received their warning for disruptive behavior. After this, it is assumed the last of the disruptive protesters has been escorted out by the Seattle PD, and Lear Keith is able to continue the talk she began eight minutes previously. So, to my list of thank yous, I am now going to add the Seattle Police Department. There's a reason the First Amendment is first. For democracy to work, people need to be able to gather and they need to be able to speak. It really is that simple.
1968, the poet Muriel Rokeyser wrote, what would happen if one woman told the truth about her life? The world would split open. Propelled by collective pain and inchoate rage, women like my mother found the words, saw the pattern, called it political, created theory, and built a movement to liberate women. And the world did split open. A short history of feminist accomplishments, rape crisis hotlines, battered women's shelters, abortion and birth control on demand, sexual harassment laws, equal funding for girls' sports, a storming of the barricades in the trades and professions, and a flowering of lesbian culture. We are now supposed to sneer at them for knowing that women are women. But it was exactly that knowing that let them change the world. We owe them everything. If you had told me 20 years ago that one day I would not be able to speak in public unless surrounded by a phalanx of armed men, I would not have believed you. We expected authoritarianism from the right. We weren't prepared for it from the left. A brief catalog of what the left is doing. Women have lost their jobs. They've lost their publishers. They've lost custody of their kids. They've been threatened so badly they've had to move, and they've been physically assaulted. The most basic facts of biology are now considered a hate crime, which means the reality of women's lives are back to being unspeakable. Children's bodies, especially their future fertility and sexual function, are being destroyed permanently. The worst part is that no one believes us. Civic institutions that were built as bulwark against power are crumbling. Journalists are afraid of losing their jobs. And if that doesn't chill you, nothing will. Academia has fallen, though Hogwarts still stands. <laughs> And people I counted as friends and comrades just want to keep their heads down so they can keep their jobs, hoping that the fever will break because this can't go on. It can, that's the thing. It can get worse. I'll end with my favorite words from, of course, Andrea Dworkin. Remember, resist, do not comply. So it is my great honor to introduce three other women who will not comply. First up is the incomparable Megan Murphy. We have always had to force our voices into the public realm to demand to be heard and to demand our rights. And despite all the progress we thought we'd made, now is unfortunately no different. Despite endless claims online that we're funded by evil right-wing institutions and that we're all getting rich off of all of this, that we're somehow operating from a position of power and privilege rather from, than from the ground up. The truth is that this is the women's movement. This is the independent grassroots women's movement. The same one that's been around since the 1800s when women had to fight tooth and nail simply to be recognized as persons and be included in public life. This is feminism, this is women's liberation, and those who are trying to stop us, to shut us down, to shut us up, to have us fired, to terrify us into silence with endless violent threats, who try to bully you all into staying home by screaming misogynist insults in your faces, simply for trying to participate in a conversation about women's rights. 
These are the regressive, backwards, anti-feminist authoritarians. This is the backlash. This is the hate. This is the bigotry, which I like to remind people means intolerance toward those who hold different opinions from oneself. There is manipulative rhetoric and efforts to frame this backlash as progress, but it is not. It is the same woman hating and the same efforts to force us back into the home, back into silence, and back into fear as it always has been. We are uppity women who dare speak the truth, and that is why they want to burn us at the stake. And we cannot stop saying this. We cannot stop reminding the world that this is true. We cannot stop telling and retelling history because history repeats itself when we don't, as we are seeing today, via the so-called trans rights movement. I say so-called because I want to be clear that this isn't about trans rights. There are no rights being fought for for trans people within this activism. The activists outside are not fighting to create services and safe spaces for trans-identified people. They're certainly not fighting for the children told they're trans because they like or dislike the color pink, being put on puberty blockers, hormones, and on a path to surgery and sterility. Rather, this is a fight to end women's rights, to destroy the very foundation for women's rights, and in fact, to destroy the women's movement itself. I'm not being hyperbolic. If we can't define women as adult human females and argue that women share a particular experience in this world and have experienced historical oppression due only to having been born female, there is no basis for women's rights. Vancouver Rape Relief faced a long court battle in the mid-90s, which is often misinterpreted as an effort to ensure a woman-only policy, misconstrued by anti-feminist activists as trans-exclusionary, that in fact was about their right to determine their own membership. In 1995, Kimberly Nixon, a trans-identified male, filed a human rights complaint against Vancouver Rape Relief after being rejected from a training group for counselors. So when Kimberly Nixon appeared in the training group, the three women on duty took him aside and explained that the collective had a position that women are born into oppressive circumstances that shape their lives. And they explained that because Nixon didn't have those experiences, he would not be invited into the training group. That there is and has always been an understanding that certain conversations can be had and certain awareness can be raised around the common experiences of women and girls and that that can only happen among women. This is indeed how the second wave began, through consciousness raising groups through women getting together and talking about their lives and shared experiences of oppression, harassment, abuse, and other forms of sexism, and realizing, oh, it's not just me, it's all of us, and how do we change this? So within all this focus on bathrooms and the right to pee, used by trans activists as a means to diminish women's concerns and position us as cruel aggressors, refusing others basic human rights, we lose sight of the purpose of this movement, the trans rights movement, which is to destroy female solidarity, 
to gaslight us all into believing that victims are powerful abusers, to remove our ability to even discuss women as a class of people and therefore in needs of rights and spaces of our own, as well as, of course, to destroy any possibility of political organizing. There is nothing to organize around as feminists if there are no women, and if women don't have a particular experience historically, socially, and politically in this world. We cannot allow this conversation to continue to be reduced to predatorial men in bathrooms. In Vancouver, a trans activist and wannabe politician named Morgan Auger, ogre if you will, <laughs> headed up a campaign to pressure the city to remove funding from Vancouver Rape Relief. This wasn't actually funding for the transition house itself or for services for women, but it was for public education, which Rape Relief does for free and has for decades. They hold talks and panels and show documentaries that educate people about women's rights, the realities of marginalized women, of male violence, and of the feminist movement. They are probably one of the only organizations doing this in Canada. OJ would, of course, go after any grant he could, any funding he could for any group or organization that fails to comply with his agenda, but this particular law seems significant to me in that it attempts to stop women from gathering and speaking and learning from one another. It cuts us off from our history and from political organizing. Women have always had to fight to tell the truth. Women who spoke out were made to wear scolds bridles and paraded around the village to teach other women a lesson. You too will be shamed, ostracized, and tortured. Don't be like her, don't speak up, don't support her, or it will happen to you. Today, women like me are held up as an example used to instill fear in other women. Us all well to think hard about what it says about the integrity and values of a person who frames the truth as hate. And whether or not these are the kinds of people we wish to lead us towards progress and emancipation. Miss Murphy ends her segment of the panel and someone shouts disparaging remarks at her from the audience. Miss Keith addresses the shouter, and the women rise again. Nothing you say can touch her. Nothing. <laughs> Keith then introduces the panel's third speaker, Saba Malik. Miss Malik shares her time with an indigenous sister who couldn't attend the panel that night. Cherry Smiley. I'm going to speak uh, not just on behalf of myself, but also on behalf of my sister in struggle, Cherry Smiley. So I'm going to do my bit, and then I'm going to do her bit. Um, I thought long and hard before accepting the offer to speak uh, on this panel. I decided finally that it was important for my voice to be part of this panel. First, because it's important to speak the truth and, and show solidarity with women who are risking their well-being, their reputation, and in some cases, their careers to be here. And also, and this is really important, because I felt that as a woman of color, um, I should be here to refute the idea that believing biology is important 
and that a woman is an adult human female is the same as being racist. As a woman who's experienced racism personally, systemically, and systematically, I find this comparison distressing and actually really offensive. So the reason I find the charge of my beliefs vis-a-vis -vis the protection of women's sex-based rights being the same as racism is that it's a false comparison and it completely obscures the issue. It's a false comparison to conflate 400 years of slavery, murder, rape, torture, Jim Crow, and the segregation of public spaces by whites against black people with attempts to open women's bathrooms, shelters, prisons, locker rooms, and other female-only spaces to male-born people simply on the basis that they identify as women. That apparently makes me transphobic. That word transphobe has often felt to me uh, like the term anti-American. Both of these terms are used to fire up emotions uh, and to shut down any kind of robust discussion. Phobia means uh, having an unexplained fear, okay? I, I don't have an unexplained fear of, of people who identify as transgender, I don't. I have a disagreement with their definition of what gender is, okay? That's a far cry from being phobic. I'm not here to encourage violence towards anyone. I'm not here to claim that I'm better, or that I'm superior, or that I'm more evolved than anyone else. I'm here to question the idea that womanhood is something which anyone can identify into. When I think of the civil rights movement and whatever has been captured about it in writing, in film, media, pictures, etc., what I'm confronted with is images of black people being attacked by dogs, uh, state-sanctioned violence, okay, by dogs and clubs and water hoses while they linked arms and tried to withstand the brutality of the opposition. I'm confronted with images of white adults braying abuse and screaming at the children who were picked to first desegregate schools in this country and of those children being escorted by police and armed guards just to enter a building. So the irony, the claim of my being racist is not lost on me when I, along with the other panelists, had to be escorted tonight by police through a separate entrance because of the protest over this event, and also because of numerous threats and suggestions of harm to us personally, in, including a bomb threat earlier today where they had the police and the sniffer dogs and, and everything. I've received both rape and death threats for choosing to be here tonight. I know these other women have too. I find it interesting how the rape threats keep coming, almost as though we have some bodily characteristic that played an important part in that definition. What I don't understand is why I'm called violent when I have not threatened anyone. My disagreement with someone does not erase them. If that were true, none of us would be here. I don't like the term cis woman, but if someone calls me a cis woman, it's not violence 
and it doesn't erase me, I would have had to have an incredibly fragile existence for that to be true. Biological sex is important. Historically, women's biology has been the basis of our oppression since civilization reared its head. We were not oppressed because we performed womanhood in some way or wore certain clothes. We were owned by men, so our sexual and our reproductive capacities could be commodified. Women in this country were still chattel um, as late as the late 19th century, maybe even more. That means that they were owned by their male relatives. I mean, that literally means that they could be bought, sold, won, and lost in card games, and they were. You can look it up. So those hard-won sex-based rights are incredibly important because they are an acknowledgement that women as a class have suffered immensely at the hands of men as a class. Trans activists go beyond promoting civil rights for trans people by insisting that trans women are literally women and that as such they're entitled to unfettered access to women's spaces, sports, affirmative action slots and more. The extremists have succeeded in injecting the trans women are women concept into all sorts of policies already adopted by sports associations, school districts, and government agencies. They're pushing for more. The Equality Act in the US Congress gives gender identity, a person's self-declaration as to whether they're male or female, regardless of biological reality, precedence over sex as a protected category in federal civil rights laws. These are enormously important decisions being made that will literally affect thousands of women and girls, and yet a robust discussion and critique of those policies is not allowed. One of my old professors sent me a message before my appearance here today. She said to me, courage calls to courage everywhere. I hope that's true. As I said, my sister Cherry Smiley um, could not be here today. She is from uh, the Intlakupmukh uh, Thompson tribe on her mother's side and the Navajo Diné on her father's side. And this is what she asked me to say to everyone tonight. In universities and among activists today, I often hear that pre-colonization, indigenous cultures had many genders and transgender or two-spirit identified individuals were respected and held leadership positions. Generally, we find third, fourth, fifth genders in cultures where gender roles were very rigid already. My grandmother's historical research and also her life experience tells me that many, if not most nations, had much less rigid ideas about gender, not more. If only men knew how to hunt and hunted, what would happen if a number of men were injured or ill or died? What would happen in the middle of a tough winter when everyone needed to pitch in? It would make sense that most members of a nation, female and male, would need to know how to survive and be able to put the knowledge into practice. This would mean less rigid gender roles. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly, why does it matter? It used to be this way, so it should be this way, is an impossible claim to prove. It's politically lazy, and it abandons women from historically patriarchal cultures, and has been long used to justify male violence against women and girls in many cultures, including ours today. 
Indigenous women in Canada fought for decades for a national inquiry into murdered and disappeared Indigenous women and girls. And when we got that national inquiry, it became about women, girls, and the 2SLGBTQQIA communities. We were told to make sure that men who identified as 2SLGBTQQIA were included and disproportionate amounts of time and resources and energy went into discussing everyone else but indigenous women in our own inquiry. If the issue of male violence against indigenous 2SLGBTQQIA communities is as pressing as they claim, an appropriate strategy would have been to demand a separate inquiry on that issue so that it could be thoroughly examined. There are specific historical and contemporary reasons and solutions as to why women and girls, particularly indigenous women and girls, are harmed and attacked by men. The debate around gender is important for feminists because it forms a foundation for our movement. How can we even begin to form a feminist analysis that centers women if we are pressured to believe anyone is a woman and we are told to include and prioritize men who identify as transgender women in our work? How can we fight for women and girls when we are not allowed to set our own priorities, our own boundaries in regard to our politics, our organizing, and our safety? Indigenous women who don't say and do what white people want us to say and do are being silenced. Disagree with me, challenge me, but I am allowed to say that I love and fight for women and girls. I'm allowed to say what I think, and that's what I'm going to do. Keith introduces the evening's final speaker, Kara Dansky, before the Q&A portion at the end of the event. We on this panel are all capable of speaking on the topic of gender identity in a relatively measured way because we are accustomed to doing so. I put air quotes on gender identity just then, so when I use the phrase gender identity throughout the rest of this talk, please imagine air quotes around the phrase, because gender identity isn't real in any material, real-world sense. I am angry that the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence can report the following statistics regarding domestic violence in the United States. We're all familiar with these. One in four women experience severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, post-traumatic stress disorder, and death. One in seven women have been seriously injured by an intimate partner. One in 10 women have been raped by an intimate partner. One in four women have been victims of severe physical violence, for example, beating, burning, or strangling by an intimate partner. These are averages, and the situation is far worse for black women than for white women. Lesbians are routinely harassed, attacked, and beaten for the sin of being female homosexuals, and today, lesbians are being told that they are hateful bigots because they refer refuse to acknowledge the lie of the female penis. <laughs> to be clear, when any of us read or hear or speak the statistics that I read above, every single person knows exactly what is meant by the word women. Literally no one is confused by this. And yet we have been told that we are not permitted to fight for women and girls as women and girls. Everything that women have fought for is being annihilated by gender identity in the law. 
As many of us know, the question of what the word sex means is currently before the United States Supreme Court in a case called Harris versus EEOC, which involves a man named Amy Stevens who is demanding legal recognition to be female. If the Supreme Court decides that Stevens is literally a woman, then women will be obliterated as a category worthy of civil rights protection in the United States, and centuries worth of work will be undone. It's as simple as that. The Women's Liberation Front has filed a friend of the court brief in the case arguing that sex stereotyping in employment constitutes unlawful sex discrimination and opposing employment discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. We expect to hear this spring or summer whether the Supreme Court thinks that women are allowed to exist in the law. Incidentally, Congress is also considering a bill called the Fairness for All Act as an alternative to the Equality Act. Like the Equality Act, it would replace the legal category of sex with gender identity. But crucially, it would exempt religious institutions. What this would mean in practice is that religious institutions would be able to maintain sex segregated spaces, but public institutions such as public schools would not. It essentially encourages the idea that religious women and girls are entitled to sex segregated spaces, but other women and girls are not. The Fairness for All Act would also give religious institutions a legal excuse to discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation, which Wolf adamantly opposes. The men in power for thousands of years enacted countless laws with the deliberate intention of keeping women out of power and out of civil society purely on the basis of sex. And now, at the altar of gender identity, we are expected to simply pretend that sex does not exist. No. If there are any, out, any lawmakers out there listening, please take note. There is simply no such thing as transgender. <clears throat> gender is a caste system designed to keep women in our place and must be abolished, not enshrined in the law. Women are female, men are male, it's not complicated. This is the new misogyny. It's the same as the old misogyny, but with a postmodern twist. Only men could oppress women for thousands of years and then turn around, put on a dress, and claim to be the most marginalized group in society. This. 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 This is WLRN. 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 Women's Liberation Radio Women's News. Women's Liberation Radio Women's News. Liberation Radio Women's News. Liberation Radio News. Watch video footage of the protesters outside the Seattle Public Library during last weekend's feminist event, and you'll notice one particular detail immediately. The presence of large, loud, pissed-off men. Men who are unmistakably male in their size, behavior, and presentation shouting at the top of their lungs slogans like, No hate, no fear, all genders are welcome here. All genders, but not members of the female sex who refuse to fall in line, evidently. No hate and no fear except for the hate and fear these men and their handmaidens feel in reaction to a handful of women brave enough to organize in the heart of liberal trans-cult territory, despite all the threats levied at them. Hate and fear are the only explanations for the pathetic attempts men made to prevent Megan Murphy, Lierre Keith, 
Saba Malik and Kara Dansky from talking in a public space before a full house of women wanting to hear them. Hatred of women and lesbians, fear of female truth-telling and disobedience. Were these female panelists suggesting that all members of the trans cult should be raped, tortured, killed, forced into poverty and homelessness, barred from employment and secure housing, harassed, bullied, etc.? No. They gathered simply to discuss the ramifications of gender identity, replacing biological sex. The real oppression of females going on at the hands of males pretending to be women or genderqueer and non-binary. Notice that during all these years, the ranks of gender-critical, gender-abolitionist, and radical feminist women have been growing, raising their consciousness about gender and sex and speaking out against the trans cult. Never have any of these women protested a trans event. Not once, not anywhere. No woman has turned up at a pride parade, a transgender talk, or an LGBT organization to say that trans activists and their supporters should be shut down, kicked out, punched, killed, or raped. You will not find any self-identified gender-critical, gender-abolitionist, or radical feminist woman online even sending death and rape threats to men in drag, women in drag, and their supporters under cover of anonymity. The violence and threat of violence here is one-sided and always has been. Yet women peacefully gathering and talking with each other are painted as the violent threats. Leftists and liberals go so far as to call women fascists for pointing out we are biologically female and holding firm on our physical and sexual boundaries against men. Anyone with a working brain who's paying attention here knows that radical feminists and other women opposed to gender identity are no more a threat to cross-dressing people's lives, jobs, and physical safety than lambs are to wolves. The trans cult and their supporters don't crusade to shut down feminist events about gender identity because they fear for their lives and physical security. They desperately try to shut us up because they're afraid more women will hear us and see these men for what they really are. Misogynists, sexual fetishists and deviants attempting to force the world to participate in their fantasies, lesbian haters seeking to rape and dominate the real lesbians of the world, or at least make us disappear. This is not the first time the police have been the only protection for organizing feminists from male threats of violence. It will not be the last. So many women, especially black women, other women of color, and visible lesbians have good reason to be wary of the cops. Yet here we are relying on them to prevent rapidly angry men from assaulting us before a crowd of witnesses. We can't take these threats lightly, as their frequency and aggression online and offline demonstrate the rage and misogyny men and their handmaidens harbor toward feminist and lesbian women at all times. Men in drag have already raped women, killed women, physically attacked women. They openly state any woman in the feminist camp who denounces them should be punched or shot, claiming such women are not human and go so far as to dox anti-gender identity women, attempt to get them fired, and campaign to have them shut out of their local communities on pain of physical and sexual violence. They call this justice and humanitarianism. The trans cult and their supporters do their best to gaslight us into disbelieving these facts despite the mountain of ongoing evidence, but we know what's real. We have the screenshots, the messages, the personal experiences of one-on-one -on -one harassment. Whatever your beliefs or your politics, whatever your feelings about gender identity, you should be able to recognize that in a free society, 
Everyone should be able to safely, peacefully organize and hold discussions in public places. Without these fundamental rights, we are on the fast track to a truly oppressive, repressive, dangerous society. American women should appreciate the stark difference between our situation and that of women in Canada and the UK, two countries very similar to us historically, politically, ethnically, and culturally. In less than a decade, these two other countries have sold out wholesale to the trans cult, restricting women's ability to merely express their disagreement with gender identity ideology and setting a precedent for women losing their jobs and their businesses for refusing to call a man and drag a woman or refusing to touch a man and drag's genitals against their will. The feminist action that took place at the Seattle Public Library can no longer happen in Canadian or British libraries and other public venues. Women there are too afraid to even admit in their personal social networks that they believe biological sex is real and significant. That the head librarian of Seattle Public Library, a black American man, refused to fold to protesters of the feminist event because he supports the right of all Americans to express their views is a testament to the uniquely American commitment to freedom of speech. While we still have the right to speak and the right to organize publicly in the United States, regardless of what views we hold, we better use those rights. We take them for granted here, unaware that so many other countries grant their citizens no such freedom or protection. And we believe these rights are permanent when they can be taken away far more easily and quickly than we imagine. The mainstream liberal press here in the U.S. is, of course, not reporting on the feminist event or the protest against it with complete honesty. So far, most outlets have ignored the weekend talk entirely, and the ones that have covered it say next to nothing about the actual views of the feminist panelists who spoke at the library, instead emphasizing how protesters feel the event was bigoted against trans-identified people. We can't expect better at this point, but it serves us to take note of how this media response ultimately feeds into the public's misunderstanding of the gender identity question and the trans versus feminist feud. Mainstream media bias works against women in this case, and all we can do is continue telling the truth every chance we get and documenting as much as possible. Thanks for listening to WLRN's 46th edition podcast covering the Fighting the New Misogyny panel discussion and events surrounding it at the Seattle Public Library on February the 1st. I'm April No. WLRN would like to give a special shout out and thanks to all the women who participated in our Seattle sound collage. Holly Hart, Julia Beck, Hannah Marie, Keely Emmerine Mix, Stacy, Skylar Gwen, Jennifer Murren, Lise, and Marsha Matthews. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Until next time, stay strong. If you like what you're hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the Donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation as well. If you are interested in joining our team, we are always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of feminist activist women. Thanks for listening. This is Sekhmet Shiaul, signing off for now. And I'm Thistle Patterson. Thanks for tuning in. 
Next month, we'll focus our program on the Say Her Name movement. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for it on Thursday, March 5th. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interview are released, please sign up for our newsletter on the WLRN WordPress site. Stay strong in the struggle, and thanks for listening. This is Dana Vitalosova, signing off on another edition of WLRN's Monthly Handcrafted Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and SoundCloud, in addition to our WordPress site. Thanks for listening. And this is Jenna DeCuardo. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender, loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thanks for your support. We would love to hear from you, so please comment, like, and share widely. But how will we find our way out of this? What is the antidote for the patriarchal kiss? How will we find what needs to be shown? And then after that, where is home?